Thank you, everyone that uh, joined us this morning in person or by Zoom or potentially uh, later on by listening to the message. And I'll start with a question and an honest answer. Who here feels uh, fear when they uh, share the gospel with unbelievers? Who here feels fear when uh, they have an opportunity to share the gospel with unbelievers? Yeah, I think uh, most of us, uh, to some degree or another, will feel uh, some, some measure of fear. I remember serving with Jews for Jesus in New York and uh, every morning getting up to uh, pass out uh, literature, uh, try to engage people in conversation, and uh, often get rejected. People didn't want the flyers. They didn't want to talk to me. Uh, occasionally, they would uh, go beyond rejection and might abuse me verbally. Uh, I've been spot on. I've been hit. Uh, and uh, that was uh, not fun at all. <laughs> and that, uh, I have to be honest, often uh, I did feel fear uh, going out to engage in that activity. Now, the Lord knows about that fear that we feel. And in uh, the passage we're looking at today is a portion of Matthew devoted to Jesus' instruction of how to be his witnesses. So there was a transition. Uh, if I was to just quickly kind of review where we've been in Matthew, uh, we all remember the Lord's uh, coming into this world, uh, announced by an angel, and, um, and then uh, the wise men came and proclaimed him as king. John the Baptist proclaimed him as king. Jesus himself, on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, gave uh, the law as the king, king Messiah, come to the world. And then in chapters uh, 8 and 9, I believe, we see evidence of his kingship as the Messiah. And then finally, uh, we, we turned in the end of chapter 9. Jesus is looking at the multitudes. His heart is moved with compassion for them. And he says, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. There's not enough people engaged in the work of bringing God's word to lost souls, of gathering in that harvest. And so in chapter 10, he turns now to instructing his disciples in doing gospel work. And we talked first, uh, I think the first 16 verses or so, I, I summarized, that, summarized them as um, uh, 10 uh, principles for successful evangelism. And uh, then Matt spoke to us last week about um, persecution. Jesus says, Behold, I send you as sheep in the midst of wolves. And then he promises them that brother will put brother to death, a father, his children. Children will, children will rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. That's especially a horrifying verse to me as a father. Um, 
But uh, so, so Jesus is warning his disciples that they will experience persecution to the greatest possible extent, even that of death. And in this passage, Jesus is now turning to the problem of fear. That's the title for this message, the problem of fear. He knows his disciples will experience fear. It's natural to experience fear when you're given a task and be told that you will be experiencing persecution, even to the point of death. But that fear is not a good thing. It's natural to experience fear, but it's not a good thing to allow that fear to rule over you. Now, as illustration to that, I'm thinking to the early days of COVID-19, and uh, there were various personas, uh, movie stars, and others who would make like YouTube's movie of themselves and their reaction to the COVID-19. And I remember there was one person, I think he's a basketball player or maybe a rap singer. I'm not actually sure. It just shows you how little I know about who's who. Uh, but uh, he basically you know, started talking about the pandemic and how terrible the pandemic is. But then he had the twist in the end, or maybe somewhat toward the, the middle, and he says the pandemic of fear. And what he was pointing to, which a lot of people ha were at that time, is even worse than the COVID-19 pandemic was the fear pandemic. And uh, some of you may remember the store's shelves being bare of toilet paper and <laughs> everything else needed for life. Why? Because people were scared. And in their fear, they were going and they were hoarding things and making lives difficult uh, for the rest of us who didn't jump on the bandwagon quite as fast or maybe didn't think we needed to hoard stuff. But all of a sudden, there was none to be had. Uh, I remember my wife sending me out to get a flour. We like baking, and there was no flour to be found. Um, and so this person and many other people recognizing really that this fear of the pandemic was creating additional problems and that people needed to be told not to fear. And occasionally there were reasons given of why not to fear, why you shouldn't be quite so afraid of COVID-19. Now, I will use those as illustration, but the main point really is that Jesus doesn't want us to be overwhelmed by the fear of sharing the gospel with others. He doesn't want us to react the way people did in COVID-19, running to their house and hiding, hoarding, and not sharing his word with others. Okay, so with that, five reasons of why we should not be afraid of sharing the gospel. Reason number one, actually, I might just want to read the passage, okay? So Matthew chapter 10, starting verse 27 to verse 33. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, and what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. 
Are not two sparrows sold for a couple of coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Five reasons of why not to fear sharing the gospel with others. So the first reason is that others need you. And that's one of the things that um, uh, people concerned about our fear of COVID-19 wanted us to remember is your actions will affect others. If you go to the store and you buy all of the toilet paper, guess what? Nobody else in your, in your neighborhood will, get, will have toilet paper. And that's a problem. <laughs> Uh, same thing with other commodities uh, that you were buying. Uh, one of the things hard to find was bananas, for whatever reason. And uh, my family lives on bananas. We eat bananas every breakfast. And <laughs> so I went to the store, no bananas. Next time I go, there was one bunch of bananas left. And I go and I stand at the checkout line, and the lady looks at, where did you find those bananas? And I'm like, well, it was in the back of the store but this was the last bunch. So here, and I tore it in half. I gave her half the banana. <laughs> I kept the other half for my family. So others need you. And so you shouldn't fear, shouldn't allow the fear of COVID-19 to overwhelm you. Others need you when it comes to the gospel. Jesus said, most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but has passed from death into life. The word of Jesus gives eternal life. Whoever believes in the Father based on what Jesus has said, according to Jesus, will have everlasting life, will not come into judgment but has passed from death into life. Well, which words are the words that we are sharing with the lost world? They are the words of Jesus. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, and what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. What we have is the treasure of the word of God, the words of Jesus, the truth, the gospel. <clears throat> and those are the words that give people eternal life. Now, we understand Jesus died for everybody's sins, and whoever puts their faith in what Jesus did for them will go to heaven. But unless people know, unless there is a preacher, then they won't put their faith in the Lord Jesus. We, we live amongst uh, um, a population that's dying from sin, that is going to be separated from God for all of eternity. They need more than toilet paper. They need more than bananas. They need more than flour. They need eternal life. And that eternal life is found in Christ. And we know the gospel message, that message that by believing in it, they can be saved. If I won't share with others because of my fear of rejection or my fear of, of abuse or even the fear of death, I am condemning them to an eternity without God because I will not share with them 
the words of life, the words of Jesus. Reason number two, <coughs> the danger is limited. So one of the things that they tried to stress in those early days, you know, when people were very scared. Now, I have to say that there's been kind of a transition in this whole, you know, fear concern. So it used to be they felt people, people were too scared of COVID. And I know people who did not leave their house for two months. They lived on what they had in their pantry and other things because they were just so scared to go out. So early on, they were trying to calm people down from this COVID-19 fear. Today, it's kind of the other way around. It's like, hey, everybody's going out. They're not wearing masks. They're not afraid enough, <laughs> right? So, you know, the pendulum has swung. But in those days, especially, they were trying to, to assure to people, you don't have to be so scared. You can, you can wear a mask. You can use hand sanitizer. And you can keep some distance from people. And you are reasonably safe. You don't have to be so, so scared. Some people said, well, you know, it's only 1% of the people, if that, that's going to die. You don't have to be so scared. The likelihood is not that high. Now, you know, you, it might not be very comforting. You know, you might say, you know what, 1% still sounds pretty bad, bad to me. And these masks, are they really going to protect me completely? And hand sanitizer? And the truth is, none of these things completely protects you. Right? Now, we're doing what's reasonable here. Right? We're keeping distance apart, we're wearing masks, we're using hand sanitizer, and all these things will reduce the likelihood. But my peace doesn't come from these masks or hand sanitizer. It comes from the fact that God has a place in heaven prepared for me. Right? That's, that's my peace in COVID-19. Unfortunately, you know, the media is not going to give you that peace. Right? But uh, they, they would still try to calm people's fears down. Well, Jesus is giving us this peace here, saying, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. I mean, it's true. If I go out and share with others, now, extremely unlikely in this country, but uh, according to a website uh, that I found called uh, Open Doors, uh, 11 Christians a day are being killed for their faith. Every day in the world, on average, 11 Christians are going to lose their life for the profession of faith in the Lord Jesus. So it's still real that Christians die. And um, it was certainly real for these uh, men. As I understand that 11 out of the 12 uh, will die for persecution. I mean, taking Judas aside, who betrayed the Lord and killed himself, of all the other apostles that went out, they were all martyred. They were all killed for the preaching of the gospel, except for one. So in their case, it was like, you know, over 90% likelihood of death, right? As opposed to COVID-19, where it's probably 1% or less. Um, but Jesus says they cannot kill the soul. You have eternal life. And... Um, Paul captures perhaps some of these thoughts in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In this chapter and uh, the surrounding chapters, Paul explains his motivation as an apostle. And uh, during this particular section, he's dealing with the fact 
that um, he receives encouragement from the Lord in preaching the gospel, even against persecution. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, Paul says, Therefore we do not lose heart. Paul didn't lose his boldness, his courage in preaching the gospel. Even though our outward man is perishing, and he recognized his outward man was perishing. He was getting stoned and shipwrecked and all these things that are very bad for your health. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, the suffering, which is for a moment, but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. He was recognized that, that God was pleased with his gospel work and God was going to reward him for the gospel work. And here it's called the, an eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, the outer world, if you would, including our bodies, but at the things which are not seen. He was looking at the eternal. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. For we know that if our earthly house, and here he's talking specifically about this human body, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal, in the heavens. This is just a tent. God has something better than this for me, right, for all of eternity. I'm sure, Don, you're looking forward to... Uh, the house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And so that's why Jesus can say, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. I have a better place for you. So, yeah, I mean, dying is not fun. Nobody wants to die. It's natural to feel death, but I have a better place for you. And so you don't have to worry. It reminds me of a missionary story of a missionary in uh, India, he was trained in missionary school, and he was sent to northern India, uh, which I think was Muslim or, I don't know, maybe more radical Hindu, and the people there didn't want to hear the message, and they said, if you keep coming and telling us about Jesus, we're going to kill you. And so he calls back, or maybe he goes back to his missionary school and says, they said they're going to kill me. They said, that's fine. You know, go back to heaven is a much better place. So... We do not fear those, or should not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Okay, reason number three um, is that we have greater things to fear. Now, again, like I said, the pendulum has swung many times on COVID-19, but a lot of people recognize that um, we could do greater harm to ourselves trying to shelter from COVID-19, then the, the damage COVID-19 will actually uh, do to us. Um, and it's difficult to balance things. Um, we know that uh, over 100,000 people died in the United States so far from uh, COVID-19. And um, it's difficult to, to weigh the other side, uh, you know, other damage that was done. Probably some people died because of our efforts for sheltering in place in COVID-19 uh, because they couldn't go to the hospital and, 
and get treated for whatever it is that they had. Uh, people have committed suicide out of depression, out of uh, financial loss. Um, so it's difficult, it's difficult to balance, but that's one of the things that people uh, try to stress as a balance to COVID-19. Look, you know, this, this sheltering in place could be destroying our society. And that would be a greater loss than, you know, again, difficult to tell 1% uh, of the population dying. Again, I'm not saying that that's true, but this is how people try to balance things, recognize there are other things to fear, maybe even greater things to fear than the fear of COVID-19. And uh, that's um, what Jesus is saying here is do not fear those who kill the body but cannot still kill the, the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And the point is that of God. We should fear God more than we fear men. Now, we want to be a little bit careful how we deal with it. Jesus isn't saying that if we fail to preach the gospel, we will go to hell. He doesn't say. He says those who kill the body compares us with the one who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. The Bible teaches that once we put our faith in Christ and he saves us, uh, our destiny is sure. We're going to heaven. There's only one destination for us. God will never uh, send us to hell. But I think it's fair to consider that the consequence of disobeying God will always be worse than the consequence of obeying God. I might, out of obedience to God, lose my life. It's possible. But disobeying God will result in a worse consequence because he is greater than the one who killed the body. Let's say I'm serving the Lord and uh, in preaching the gospel, like Jim Elliot, someone spears me to death. I die. I go to be in heaven with the Lord and I have an eternal weight of glory from God for for my service, for him on earth. Let's say I choose not to go and witness and share the gospel with people, and uh, I might live for many years, and eventually I will still die. But then I will find that I lost the reward of pleasing God, living a life that honors him. Uh, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 3, now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work, which he has built on it, endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. And here Paul is talking about gospel work, and he points out that we could build on it in different ways. We could uh, build on it with gold, silver, precious stone, things that have real value, or we might live a life that's more described as wood, hay, and straw. And when God will test it on that day, it will be like going through fire. Now, 
we ourselves will be saved. It's very clear in the passage, but we could be saved with loss. This whole life might be a big loss, and we'll look at it back and say, what a wasted life I live. Or I might find that I brought through that day gold, silver, and precious stones. I lived a life that pleased God. I did things of eternal value, and I will rejoice in all those things as I go through that day, as I pass through to the other side. And so we don't fear God's judgment against our sin because Jesus paid for it all. But we should fear not doing what God wants us to do in this life because it will result in a wasted life which none of us wants to have. Reason number four of not to fear, and that is the sovereignty of God. Now, this one just has no equivalent in COVID. COVID. I'm sorry. Looking at everything the media said, there's nothing I can find that really applies there because the media doesn't believe in God, and uh, nobody is assuring anybody that uh, dying from COVID-19 is somehow for their benefit. Um, but uh, for us, we can trust in God's sovereignty. And that's what Jesus points out in verse 29 through 31. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many, many sparrows. And what Jesus is stressing here is we can entrust ourselves to God's sovereignty. Now, it doesn't mean that we won't suffer. So God's sovereignty means this. Even though I go and I share the gospel with someone, and they might potentially reject the gospel, they might potentially abuse me verbally or physically, uh, for sharing the gospel with them. And they might even kill me. All these things are possibilities that Jesus is discussing here. And what is, he wants to do is commit ourselves to God's sovereignty, saying, look, if two birds that are sold for a couple of coins, so just about the smallest denomination of money possible, cannot fall to the ground apart from your Father's will, you cannot lose your life you cannot suffer persecution apart from your Father's will. All these things that might happen to you are passing through the hands of your Father. And he judges that these things actually will be for your good. For we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Right? Even suffering and persecution, we can entrust ourselves to the hands of a loving God. Later on in the same passage where the verse I just quoted comes from, it was actually read to us by Daniel during the uh, breaking of bread. But Paul continues with this thought, says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written... For your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. And in this passage, we're told that we are in the love of Christ. If you would, he holds us 
as a father might hold his child or as a husband might hold on to his wife. He loves us that much. And Paul is asking the question, what can separate us from that love? And he lists all the bad things that can happen to us. And the point is, is all these things are happening to us while we are embraced by Christ in his love. He will allow us to suffer tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword, and even lose our lives all while being hugged by him, all being in his arms. He can love us through all these experiences, and yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him. It's not a loss to die in the center of God's will. It's not a loss to die in the center of God's will. In fact, we are described as conquerors. Actually, we are described as more than conquerors. If we go through this suffering in the center of God's will, in the center of God's love. And so we can trust the sovereignty of God as we share the gospel with others, not being sure how they will receive it, because we don't know. And it could result in persecution. And yet we can entrust ourselves to God's sovereignty in the midst of that. The final answer, final reason of, uh, of not fearing sharing the gospel is it makes us a good example. And I want to be a little bit careful how we understand that because it's not being a good example to just being a good example to other believers, which is true. Uh, when Jim Elliott went uh, out to the mission field and he was killed, uh, the result was hundreds of more <laughs> wanted to go out to the missions. Instead of people being afraid and like, oh, man, I'm not going to go out as a missionary. This might happen to me. Instead, it resulted in the opposite. Hundreds more said, if this young man that had everything in the world going for him thought it was worthwhile to go and preach the gospel to savages and he got killed, then, you know, I believe that's the wise thing to do as well. I think he said something like, uh, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. So he was an example to believers, but that's not uh, the force of this passage because Jesus is talking about unbelievers. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. That's not about believers. That is about unbelievers coming into face with him. According to Romans 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And the point is, when you go out and you bring the gospel to others, you have to realize that this is, for many people, not an easy choice to make. Uh, there was a person that I was trying to reach uh, with the gospel, uh, part of this soccer group I've, I've mentioned over the years. And, uh, you know, we reached out to them, we invited them to celebrate their Christian holidays with us, and I would 
share something from the scripture with them. And there was one person who, to me, seemed to be the most interested of everybody else. And I was like, well, I'll start with this person. And I invited him to have a study, go through the stranger book together. And he got back to me and he says, no, you know, I can't. Because if I do so, I will be rejected by my own family and by my own people. And so when Jesus says that whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven, whoever doesn't, I won't. He's talking about unbelievers making that decision. Right? Those who are willing to confess me as their Lord and Savior, it's free. Salvation is free. Jesus paid the price. But people have to accept it. And it will mean to many people rejection and to many people death. But by you being willing to expose yourself as a Christian, by you being willing to come and share the gospel with them, by you being willing to put yourself in risk, you're giving them an example of the kind of boldness that they will have to exhibit. Uh, one of the most famous lines about this subject was by Tertullian, who was an early church father, as we call him, and he said that it was the blood of the martyrs that was the seed of the church. And he's talking about the Romans' time, where it was, as in some countries today, illegal to be a Christian. And every once in a while, the Romans would kind of crack down on the believers, and they would literally drag them into the arenas, and Christians will be torn apart by wild animals, and all the Christian would have to do is say, I repent of being a Christian, and I will make my offering to the emperor. That's all they had to do. But when Christians were willing to be torn apart by wild animals, instead of making that confession, people in the audience saw. And they're like, you know, this person is convinced he's going to heaven, and I'm not. And many people became, a, became Christians themselves based on the courage of those believers who were willing to suffer for the gospel. And so when you are willing to share the gospel, when you are willing to be bold, when you take up courage to be willing to be rejected, to be willing to be abused for the gospel, you become that testimony Right? That's worth more than just words because it shows the reality of your faith and the reality of the gospel behind it. In Philippians 1, Paul says, Encourage them not in any way to be terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. So by your suffering, you're putting your seal of approval of the gospel. And you show this is what I believe in. And this is what you need to believe in so you can have eternal life. No wonder that Jesus says that when we are persecuted, we are to rejoice because great is our reward in heaven. 
because it's just such a valuable thing to be willing to suffer for the gospel as far as propagating the kingdom of God, making a witness that is effective. Okay, uh, in closing, I wanted to just think about one more passage in uh, 2 Corinthians, just before the passage that we looked at before. Uh, Paul says, uh, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. So there's two things, maybe more in this passage, that's good for us to realize. One is that we're holding a treasure, a heavenly treasure, right? the knowledge of God in the face of Jesus Christ is present in each and every one of us. And um, the second is that we are earthen vessels. Now, the word earthen vessels might be kind of strange to you. A vessel made out of earth? Who makes vessels out of earth? Well, um, that was the most common and cheapest vessel. Actually, really what it means, some people translate it as clay jars, jars of clay, right? All you take is dirt, you wet it, right? You spin it on a wheel, and you make a vessel. That's what an earthen vessel is. And that's what this passage describes uh, you and me. Sometimes I think I need to be some sort of a super Christian uh, to be able to share the gospel with others. And what God says, you know, Noah, you're not that impressive. <laughs> and you don't have to be that impressive. You don't have to be a super Christian to share the gospel. You're just an earthen vessel, right? But the glory of God is inside of you. Now, sometimes that means that for the glory of God to come out, the vessel has to be broken. We uh, studied recently about Gideon and his 300 men surrounding uh, tens of thousands, over 100,000 enemies. And all they had was his earthen vessels or jars of clay with a torch inside of them and they just broke those clays uh, jars of clay or earthen vessels and then the light shone and God used that light to put uh, Israel's enemies to flight so maybe that's what's needed in your life in my life is a little bit of breaking and God can shine through let's pray father we Thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the uh, heavenly treasure, which is your son, the Lord Jesus. He came into this world as our savior and the savior of everyone who would believe that truth, Lord, resides in us and in every true believer. And we know you want us to open our mouth and share that truth with others. We confess, Lord, we do feel fear, hesitation when we uh, uh, go to share the gospel with uh, others not knowing how they'll respond, realizing that rejection is likely and persecution uh, is possible. And yet we see that notwithstanding, you don't want us to be dominated by that fear, but you want us to, uh, to make your gospel known. So we pray, Lord, help us. Help us be uh, bearers of the light, sharers of the light, and even be willing to be broken for that light to shine forth out of our lives 
for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.